Welcome back to Your Ag Empire, where we roll up our sleeves, dig in the dirt, and uncover the secret to success in the world of agriculture. I'm your host, Jonathan Harrelson, a Texas farmer and rancher, farm risk consultant, and commodity coach. New episodes drop on Wednesdays on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, and we'd be honored to have you as a subscriber. In today's episode, we're honored to welcome Sherry Glazier, a rancher's wife, a mother, a registered dietitian. Get ready for an insightful dive into the world of nutrition that's both acceptable and practical. Sherry unravels the myths that nutrition has to be complicated and costly. Join us as she shares invaluable insights on how to make nutrition work for you and your family without breaking the bank. From running her practice to offering real-life examples of healthy eating tailored to your lifestyle, Sherry's wisdom is a game-changer. Stay tuned for a conversation that's not just about eating, but cultivating a wholesome and sustainable approach to nourishment. This is your Ag Empire, where we bring you the expertise that empowers. Joining us on Your Ag Empire is Sherry Glazier. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you for having me. We're, we're so glad to have you here. Many of our Empire Ag listeners know you as the Dirt Road Dietitian on Instagram and Facebook. Who are you outside of that handle? Ooh, that's a loaded question. I'm just a mom, farmer's wife, and again, just the dietitian who's just trying to make the right choice day in and day out. <laughs> That's good. So from a, a dietitian who lives 30 miles uh, from the nearest grocery store, is it really possible uh, for us to nourish ourselves and our families well? Yeah. That's a loaded question, a loaded thought, right? So if you go, if you speak to certain people, um, you know, there's that thought or that feeling like I need to be shopping at the bougie grocery store or I have to have all these foods with all these labels and labeling claims and all these things. Um, and then reality, if you really think about it, um, and there's a lot of people that are like, well, I just shop at Walmart or Dollar General is the closest thing to me. DG has invested in rural Oklahoma for sure of where I am. Um, and that's something I'm like, okay, so we got to figure out some realistic nutrition solutions for people. So in my perspective, it does not matter how far you live or wherever you do, but I love to work with people personally and let's figure out what's a plan that's going to work for you where do you like to shop what do you like to do but also we kind of go back through what do people know about nutrition um and that's usually the biggest gap uh 100 agree i mean we, we've all been taught the food guide pyramid right we were right. all thrown that <laughs> right which is gone now and now we teach from a plate which is helpful <laughs> we're, we're evolving so yeah. you know many people believe you know working with a dietitian would just be too much work and uh, you know it's just too hard i mean what what would you say to to people that are thinking you know maybe i need some assistance because yep. of what we were taught you know it's it's obsolete where do we go with that right. at this phase and and that's really a loaded question too is like where do we go what do i do with this information i really want to do something about it i'll start with this that there's a lot of stereotype around being a dietitian that so many people feel like we're the food police or if i ask someone asks what i do um professionally and they say i'm a dietitian they automatically start stumbling and be like oh don't don't look at me or don't look what i got on my plate and honestly it's i i don't care like i want to create an opportunity for you 
to open a path to the rest of your life to a world, whether it's wellness or not, but something that you can take away and be confident with and move on because we eat so many times a day. And if we don't have that negative nutrition confidence, ultimately what we do and we're winging it, right? And do we really want to wing things? I mean, I think that's why people are hanging out with you because they're tired of winging it, right? Um, and so I think for me, that's what I want people to do. Just let's let's sit down, let's talk through this, let's figure out where you're at. The other piece to this too, with being a dietitian, I don't have quick solutions, right? So we are living in a society that we want answers now, we want results now, we want to see things so quick. Um, I say all the time, I really wish I could hypnotize people and just let them check out and just instill the habits and then wake back up. Um, you know, even if it's just in two weeks and they're like, oh, I did figure this out. This is rock and roll and I feel great. And so that's kind of the barrier that I have ultimately, right? Being a dietitian and not having a quick fix. But those that are ready, right, psychologically, and they're on the stage of readiness scale of like, I am ready to do something, the action stage, that's where I want to work with. And that's most of the people that I work with, that's where they're at. They're tired of of trying to figure it out on their own, or they had a bad experience somewhere, some way, or they had a really, you know, unfortunate diagnosis. And they're like, I don't want to live with undiagnosed blood pressure for the rest of my life. I want to do something about it. Um, and a lot the good thing is, is we can for most of them, we can. You probably don't have a typical client. They're probably all coming to you for different things, uh, I'm guessing. For sure. Quite quite a mashup. And some just had bad experiences of other guidance where they they just really didn't understand where they came from. Um, like their recommendations from their perspective weren't realistic to their life. And so they didn't feel like they were seen or heard. And so I feel like that's somewhere where I have an edge, right? With my rural families is I understand where you're coming from. I understand the challenges. I understand Whole Foods and Sprouts and Trader Joe's is not in your wheelhouse. Um, and it could be occasionally, but that's that's not necessarily the ticket, right? Where you grocery shop isn't necessarily the ticket. But um, but also too, you know, I think part of the nutrition world is building trust. Um, and a lot of people are coming to me because they trust. I work a lot in, in animal protein and they also know that I'm not going to tell them to stop eating a specific animal protein either. Um, because yeah. I see the nutritional value in that. And I think that's also, again, where there's an edge on value there too. What's a long-term positive relationship with food? What, I mean, what is that? What does that even look like? Yeah. So my goal for all of my people, I want you to have a positive relationship with food. And some people are like sharing, what, what is that? Right. And ultimately, I think it just comes down to like, when you think about a meal or when you think about food, what's popping in your mind? Is this a negative feeling? Is this something that you're, you're dreading having to choose another meal or another snack? You're like, I really don't know what I'm doing, or I don't feel well. I don't feel my emotions go down whenever I eat this and then I overeat and then I feel even worse. And it's just like this endless cycle, right? So I want my people to come away with, we got to figure out, I think we got to have this edge of knowledge to really put some puzzle pieces together of, you know, if I'm going to eat a snack and I just have an apple, that's great, but I'm going to be hungry again in 30 minutes. Why am I hungry again? It's because it should have been married with protein ultimately some sort of fat. So we got to figure out some of these little nuances and nutrition solutions. They're like, oh my gosh, this is make a lot more sense. Our generational impact, the generational raisings of us have had an impact on, on how we eat and how we view food and how we, you know, our thought processes around that. And so if you grew up in a house that had the clean your plate club, you still feel guilty if you leave food on your plate because grandma's still over here in your ear, like you should have ate one more bite or things like that. And so that has had a negative impact because you're not listening to your brain and your stomach communicate. It said I was full literally 10 minutes ago, but we're still eating because someone else has told me all these years that I should clean my plate, right? So some of that's connected to the depression era and some of those things. And so ultimately, you got to work through that. 
I work with women a lot too that grew up with moms that dieted all the time. And so they don't know what it's like to just have a healthy relationship with food. And so it's such an interesting, it's just such an interesting place to be, but it's also an area of a distinct opportunity that I feel like for myself, for your listeners and anybody that really wants to kind of take the bull by the horns and and let's just figure this out. That kind of brings me to my my next question. I mean, it was a, a great segue into that, but you know, dieting's become such a buzzword within America. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we all grew up with a standard American diet for the most part. And then now we, you know, we hear about keto, the Mediterranean, the carnivore, the whole 30. I mean, you've got all these things that get thrown out and then they get regurgitated every same 10, 15 years. We start hearing how great they are again, but it's just been rebranded or repackaged. I mean, are these diets like, are they effective or are, are people just grasping for that quick fix? rather than trying to seek help from a professional like yourself. Where is that balance, I guess? Right. And it's it's really hard because at the end of the day, a lot of these diets are connected to dollars, right? There's somebody that's making a buck off of whether it's some sort of Adkins bar or some sort of, you know, whole 30 plan, you buy this or buy that or supplements, or there's just a lot of dollars attached to that. And it's, it keeps it going, right? We're, we are uh, 2024, new year, new me kind of thought process is, is here. And what are we going to go for? Right. And so ultimately, though, too, I think that gives people some sense of control. It feels like they're doing something about something which can be good. Someone goes keto. If they typically previously were, they love their carbs. Yes, they're going to lose weight whenever they choose to go keto. But I don't think there's ever an opportunity, a reflection opportunity to identify that, hey, I'm successful because I'm not overeating the carbs like I was before. So the core issue never gets full fully uh, realized if that makes sense. And then the cyclical kind of continues because who wants to eat fat and protein only all the time? Eventually that's going to end, right? Our brain still needs some sort of carbohydrate to function. So those just aren't long-term solutions and that's why they're considered diets, right? So it's just something that's a short-term solution. Um, but for some people, it's a good jump start. But where I come in is like, if you even started on one of those and you're being successful, I have to be the bridge to your long-term relationship and that long-term success. What's going to be the next step? Because these are never going to be long-term solutions. So I started working out a year and a half ago. I just wanted to make a, make a change. I mean, you're in the season of life when you're raising kids and you're just, it's rush, rush. You know, you're trying to farm, you're trying to truck, you're trying to do everything and be everything and everybody. Can you even count macros? Can you do these things? Is that a good thing to even go down the road? Because I know in my journey, I've I've started the macro counting. And I mean, it's it's daunting task to weigh everything, count the you know, the protein, the fat, the carbs. Um, is that a good way to go, or is there something else out there? Right. So I think the good thing is about macro counting is if you're not familiar with the foods that you eat, it's a great educational tool to identify our gaps, right? So my gosh, yes. So when I get home at nine o'clock at night, that's when I have my best meal of the day, right? And I just identify that I don't eat protein at all potentially until nine o'clock at night. So there, I think it's a tool in the toolbox to help you identify some gap and then kind of move forward there. But is that going to be the solution for everybody? Absolutely not. Because there's some people that if they're having to track all these things, we have, you know, like potentially get obsessive about this. And now we're going to have some sort of disordered eating because we are so attached to that. Or on the flip side, like you said, 
or farming or trucking wherever, like 40 hours a week is laughable for a lot of people in this community because we are, we just work till the jobs have to get done. So that's when we need to develop a plan. How well did you plan for the day? You knew you were going to be in the truck all day. We can't do truck stop hot dogs and burritos all the time. Um, that can be a solution some of the times, but we have to have a plan in place for you to be able to succeed in this, just like everything. But you need to have a plan in place too. So if that means we're counting macros and we're keeping track that we're mindful of that, we can think about that while on the road. That's great if you have guidance. But if that's not the tool for you either, you know, what was your plan for today? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of a, I don't know. It's just as we watch how everything's kind of evolved, I'd say in the last couple of years, and we see drugs like Monjero and Ozempic, you know, the craze for weight loss and trying to get that body positivity image. I mean, everything that's that's kind of going on right now, we're seeing folks uh, losing 50 to 100 pounds. But I've talked to several and they're like, I feel like I'm missing something. Yes, I'm losing the weight, but nutritionally, you know, do you have any any kind of wisdom to bestow on, on folks that are kind of going through that journey? Right. So then that comes. So you have a, a medicine that's, you know, obviously giving visual results, but it's not coming with the other piece of the puzzle that I feel like we all need. So just like protein and carbs should be together, these meds should also be coming with a dietitian because ultimately what's happening, yes, we have fat loss, but the unfortunate piece too, what I have seen happening is muscle mass goes away with that as well too. And so that's what I feel like people are feeling right now is I've lost all my muscle mass, which is directly connected to our metabolism as well too. And if we have active muscle uh, building and recovery, that positively impacts our metabolism. However, if the medication's involved, their gut motility and things have been slowed. So everything is just slower. Um, and so that's the other piece to that puzzle. I'm like, okay, what does your protein look like? Because you're not very hungry. And so the moments that you actually do eat, those count more now than they ever have in your entire life. And so what you put in your mouth now needs to be of importance. And I'm, my question is, you know, are you getting a high quality protein at breakfast, at lunch and at dinner, whenever you're only hungry for four or five bites? Gotcha. I was curious, you, you brought up protein and, and I know in my observations, just with me, I, I mean, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. And I always felt like I get plenty of protein because, I mean, I love steak. You know, everywhere we go, I've got to have meat on the plate. And I got to counting up my macros and I, I was really at a deficit on protein. And I, I was shocked. So typically we're good at one meal of the day. We're good. That evening meal is is the home run. But breakfast is a big miss for a lot of people, partially because of coffee. So we get up, we drink coffee. I'm not hungry till 1030, Sherry. I'm like, I know you're not because you got up and you drank coffee first. And then that delays this hunger cue. And so then we're really not hungry till 1030. And then that becomes a package of crackers or whatever we can find because our day has already well begun. Um, and so that's an area of opportunity missed. And then lunch hit or miss as well too, right? It could be a sandwich. It could be skipping. It could be, it could be, it just is a number of things. Or like I mentioned, whatever you got at your quick stop or, or in our my neck of the woods, the co-op. Um, you know, what are you getting on their little quick and serve thing? So ultimately, sometimes the only protein we get is that final meal of the day. Ultimately, the gaps we have are typically protein and then basically fruits and vegetables, right? So the, the largest portion of our plate, half of our plate, which is also packed full of fiber, is usually sorely missing for, for the majority of the people that I come into contact with. I was curious. Um, so with, with farmers and ranchers, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but with farmers and ranchers working long hours, I mean, in, in, a lot of us, I mean, like you said, it's a package of crackers at lunch. We keep working. Maybe we eat a, a big dinner at 
at night. A lot of us, that's kind of results. Are there any long-term effects, you know, like to affect our body for us following that ritual for 30, 40 years? Right. I think it's interesting you say that. I think this, that's what's to be told is, and I tell everyone I work with, the choices you make over the course of time are what have the longest impact. I think that goes for any any business operating, but I think that goes for our own personal health too. So if you think about that and then you're like, well, you know, my cholesterol is starting to creep up. My blood pressure is creeping up. I haven't been to the doctor in 20 years. I don't sleep well at night. There's just like these compounding factors. And do we know if it's directly related to I only eat once a day potentially, or if it's related to other things we don't know? I think there comes into some common sense there that maybe I could try to do things a little bit differently. Um, and so for some people, it is literally just I'm going to eat some food before I have coffee and go do that first, right? So I don't ever ask for large change to begin with because we have to find things that are going to be sustainable for people. But a breakfast, figuring out a lunch. Do I need to start packing my lunch? If I have a spouse, would they help me pack lunch? Probably. Do I? And I'm a big fan of snack bags. Yes, I'm a mom because I have hungry kids all the time. And we, it's convenience factor and the fact that you just need to have food with you because uh, you don't know where you're going to get stranded or where the pickup's going to break down or where the tractor is or whatever. Um, but having a balance options within a snack bag, I think are important for anybody that's, you know, in a tractor, in a semi, things are working sprayers, working long hours because. Also, if you're not feeding your brain, you're making large financial decisions. And if you're not feeling well, are those financial decisions probably going to be potentially poorly connected to? I think there may be some, again, area of opportunity. So I'm a rancher and I like beef. <laughs> and we've seen we've seen the the COP28. I mean, summit's going on right now. They're they're talking about, you know, decreasing, uh, you know, beef consumption in the U.S. Um you know, personally, I, f- I feel a lot better when I eat beef. I feel like it's nutrient rich. I'm not not taking anything away from poultry or pork. It's just my personal preference. But but what is your opinion on that from a protein source? It, it's it is one of the most nutrient against protein options that we can choose. You know, if you think about what it provides you per ounce. And I think kind of the misnomer here is how much do we consume of it, right? And so we're talking about the size of a deck of cards portion control, right? Versus, you know, a 12 or 18 ounce steak that covers half of the plate. That's where we have a lot of conversations sometimes and in uh, in my world too. Um, and I think we have to think about what's in this package. We think about protein, but then we also have to think about iron, right? Iron is a nutrient of concern for a lot of women, infants, children, people of adolescence is the new age as well too. Um, we need iron and beef is an excellent source of, uh, of that as well too. Um, vitamin B12, people are people do supplemental vitamin B12 all the time and you can get 101% of your daily value from three ounces of beef. So sometimes it is, from my perspective, it's an underappreciated circumstance there too. And then again, we go into the sustainability conversations of that too. And I think there's just a gap in that understanding, right, of what cattle do and where they eat and what they eat. And I'm in wheat pasture country and we have cattle grazing on wheat this time of year and understanding the role that some of these cattle play in the environment and eating grass and things that we don't want to eat when land that's not suitable for crop production kind of got me on a soapbox here. But I, uh, those things are really important to, to be able to communicate to people. And I think it's also in our approach as ag producers. Um, don't get defensive, but like, hey, did you know X, Y, Z or um, you know, and then the, the other layer to that too, in in the world that I work in, is the grass finished and grain finished beef. You know, sometimes there's a 
there's a layer that makes people feel better about purchasing grass finished beef. And then if you can explain nutritionally, there's not a significant difference. Um, but if you want to choose one way or the other, it's absolutely okay. You have producers that are doing both. You don't have to choose grass finished beef because of environmental concerns, you know, either way, you're still gonna get those nutrients. So I'm a big fan, I'm a big fan of beef. Um, we raise it ourselves, but as, again, from the nutrition story, I think it's one of the most nutrient dense options we can choose feeding ourselves and ultimately our kids too. You heard it here on Empire Ag. <laughs> Beef is okay. It is yeah. what's for dinner. That's right. That is right. You know, we just talked about a little kind of the the grass raised, pasture raised. There's all these different labels. What are your thoughts on buying organic, natural? Is there a benefit or are you just getting sucked into the, the marketing ploy? Yeah, and so the question would be, is there a benefit to what? When it comes to nutrition, right? So when you're actually comparing nutrition labels from something that is claimed to be raised, whichever way, whichever way you're going to go, natural, organic, or conventional, right? Those nutrition facts label, there's going to be a little bit difference, but is there is it significant for health professionals, registered dietitians to recommend one way or the other? That's not the case. The, what we go back to is budget, right? So I need to recommend something that's going to fit within someone's budget because I know they need the zinc, they need the iron, they need the protein, they need the B12, and going one way or the other doesn't matter to me. Um, and, and taste, right? So if you grew up on grass-finished beef, or you probably have an Af you know, a, a, a desire to eat that, probably. But if you grew up on grain-finished beef, like the majority of beef, 92-plus percent is produced in the United States, then that's what you're going to go towards. And I think we're, we're blessed to live in a nation that we have options. Um, and we have producers that provide those options, but also there's producers that like have to charge more because that it costs a lot more money to raise something in, in a grass finished with extra labeling type affinities, right? Because it takes a lot more to do that. Sure. So I've been on this journey of, of exercise and, and fitness. I was athletic in high school. I want to feel that way now. And if I came to you and I said, okay, Sherry, I, I want to lose 15 pounds. Like I feel healthy, but could you help me through that journey or could you help clients in that aspect or is that in your wheelhouse? It is, but disclaimer, like I can't guarantee a thing, right? Cause all I can give is recommendations, sure. right? Then that's, there's always some gray area in between. Um, but I think moving from that, I don't focus so much on the number on a scale. My focus is that relationship with food, which more times than not ends up directly correlating to how they feel while their clothes fit all and just physically fit too. Because sometimes a number isn't necessarily tell the whole story, right? So because if we're gaining muscle, our pounds may not move, but oh my gosh, my clothes do not fit like they used to anymore in a, in a way that I wanted them to. So that's part of the story. So that's for me, if you're looking for like, exactly pound for pound, you know, going to lose these exact things. That's not my jam. My jam is much more the long-term impact that I'm having on you and your ultimately your family too, right? Because if you're doing more things well and not in this restrictive approach, things are going to start to waterfall and carry over to your family too. And that's, that's what we want too, is to kind of teach and guide that way. So in a sense, yes, uh, that is my jam is to help people make those choices that ultimately have that positive impact, but it might not be directly we don't do scale check-ins and those of that's because there can be a negative emotional psychological component to that that aren't healthy for a lot of people. So if I signed up with you and we were to work together, if you're looking at, at our nutritional needs and, and we start talking about like 
actual food prep and things like that. Um, are you are you working with those clients on what they can eat based on their taste? I mean, like if I don't like certain foods and you're saying these are great, like probably yeah, so gonna cheat. I'm gonna, exactly, I'm gonna go for right? the moon it's, pies or oatmeal pies. I'm this gonna... is why Sherry doesn't do meal plans because everyone has different affinities for things. That's why we go back to the numbers, right? So I want you to get say 20 grams of protein at breakfast. So we're gonna make sure we can figure out what are our 20 gram of protein options at breakfast so you can be prepared, right? But also knowing that like here's three options. But in a month, I'm going to be tired of that potentially, right? And so then we got to meet it back again. And where are we at? What are we doing? So that's where it's kind of this relationship too. And then again, same sure. thing for lunch. And sometimes for lunch, it's like, okay, we just need to prepare more from that evening meal. So that way we can have that for lunch the next day or in two days, right? And so sometimes you just got to be a little bit smarter about it. But again, I think a lot of it is me giving you permission to say, these are how we're going to orchestrate these things together. And if you're still hungry, then we need to talk about it and figure out what's going on there too. So there's just just a formula, basically. Um, and then if you're working out, you're going to be hungrier some days than not. And it's not just it's not just specifically this is what I should eat. Um, I want you to have that freedom and again that healthy that healthy relationship. It goes back to just a lack of education in like you said with with the relationship in food. I mean, I think that's that encompasses a lot of of our topic today. Yep. And I wish I had a solution, you know, like, what are we going to do about it? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that we have a solution. There's just a lot of baggage that comes along with food. And again, we kind of go back to access and affordability and, you know, what's realistic and those sorts of things as well, too. So, but I do feel like within one household at a time um, and sharing positive messaging, but I also feel like in the same sense, from an agricultural perspective, sharing the positivity about how our food is raised and grown from the people that do that. I think that's important too, because that gives people confidence in what they're feeling themselves and their families. Absolutely. This feels like a good time to hear from a sponsor who's making this podcast available. From investigative bookkeeping, like tracking down that one or 19 transactions that just doesn't make sense to establishing charts of account that work for your business to reconciliations. The pharmacist team believes good business begins with accurate and complete financials. They roll up their sleeves and dig into your financials so that your business grows and thrives. You can harvest the profits of your hard work with a clear picture of your operation's financial position. To learn more about pharmacist, visit youragempire.com. Okay, we're back. Sherry, I mean, if someone was considering working with a dietitian, one, how would you find one? I mean, is, is there a database out there where you guys are, you know, readily available? And are they all trained the same? Like, is there some accreditation that we need to be looking for? Or what's your, your take on that? Right, so we'll start with this. So the majority... Uh, dietitians, if they're members, they'll be found on eatright.org or within a state organization like ours at Oklahoma is oknutrition.org. You can find one that way. Or if you just find one you on social media, we all live on social media for a large part and you find one that you're driving with and you like. Um, there's a lot of us that can do across state lines um, things as far as our ability to do that. And so because that's part of it too, is you kind of got to figure out and get to know them. You know, am I going to jive with this person? Flip side is if nothing else, go to your physician your primary care, get a well check, 
And if you feel like you need to want to, you want to see one, they they will likely have one in the referral pool, and you can just go from there because your insurance may or may not cover one as well too. So that's that's my first piece of advice. The second piece of advice is dietitians are not the same as nutritionists. Okay, so registered dietitians have gone through a bachelor's degree, now a master's degree, a dietetic internship, and about a twelve hundred hour supervised practice um, internship. And so. There's a lot that goes in. We have to pass the national board exam at the end of that and then continue our continuing education hours. Very similar to a PA, nurse practitioner, those sorts of standards, right? A nutritionist, you yourself, sir, could call yourself a nutritionist. And so that is it. There's no, there's nothing attached to that that gives anyone the educational ability to provide advice. And so that would be probably my number one piece of advice is if you're looking for nutrition advice. I highly advise you getting it from someone who has the the years of experience um, and education versus someone who's just a self-proclaimed something that potentially had some personal success and then kind of has grasped onto that. Absolutely. I'm I'm glad you clarified that up because, I mean, a lot of us don't know the difference and I'm sure you battle that every day. Uh, we, we do, but, and then some people will still call me nutritionist and I'm, I don't correct them because of, that's fine because I have the degree, but if I heard someone else calling someone else that we might have a conversation, but, um, you know, we work really hard for that. We're trained in that. Um, and we're also trained to find things that, Hey, you need to go talk to a doctor instead. Like this is not a nutrition problem. This is a much larger issue there too. And so I think we kind of think through those those things too. You know, I was, I was listening, uh, just to some families that were talking and, you know, ADHD has been a big thing with diagnosis in, in children. Um, as a dietitian, have you seen, or, or maybe you may have worked with clients, but, you know, on trying to find a diet that's, you know, red dye free, or you hear all of these things, like, yeah. have you seen any kind of correlation yeah, not seeing clients specifically, but I, I am a mom um, and I'm around children of my own that get fed things that ultimately they come home and I'm like, what in the world happened <laughs> today? Um, and so I have personally gotten interested in that as well, too. There's not a significant body of research that's going to show us one way or the other of not, but there's some there's some intriguing things that I feel like if you're struggling and your child is hyperactive and not even hyperactive all the time, but it may be after something, you know, that's where, Hey, you might want to jot down a food log a little bit and kind of see if there's some trends happening here for us personally. Um, it was Hawaiian punch. My child was given Hawaiian punch. Um, and I could not figure out what in the world had gone on. Anyway, we kind of dug through some of that. Yes. And so red 40 and blue one or blue 11. Now it's escaping my brain. I can't believe it. But anyway, yeah. we're now much more mindful of that. And the what is what I have found is even the dye, some of it's just in higher concentration in certain foods than others. And so that's what's hard for us as general consumers to kind of figure that out. There's a couple of studies that have kind of helped me figure that out of like what may have higher concentrations than others. Then there's sometimes I'm like, my kids will have it and they have no impact. So then I'm like, well, then that theory goes out the window. So, sure. um, but I do think there is, if, if you're concerned, there's nothing harmful about trying to trial period of staying away from artificial dyes. What could it hurt? I was just curious. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of talk within uh, circles, uh, you know, of young parents and kind of asking questions. And yep. rather than seek conventional medicine, they're trying to work a lot of these issues out uh, via diet. And yep. I just 
Yeah. And some of them may be activity, right? So maybe they just need to go run around a little bit longer. Um, and, sure. uh, but then I also, again, this is this, there's no scientific evidence of this. This is my experience, but typically after school parties and things like there's a lot of dye on foods that these kids are consuming and they get amped up. And I'm always questioning. I'm like, is, I don't think it's the sugar. I do think there's something else to this piece of the puzzle. But again, the science doesn't fully support it one way or the other. This is just but as a parent, I commend someone trying to, to try to change something. Um, I love pharma sometimes, but then sometimes is there ways that we can go around that? I think there's opportunities there. So, Sherry, we, we go through this this generational impact um, and we all were raised different. We've got, you know, so much background from various places in the world that have commingled here in the U.S. And, and if, you know, our diet's not the same. I mean, we've got variations of of all these countries and their impact here. How do we have a, a standard, you know, of health and basically where where these generational breakdowns, where things that maybe aren't as healthy, but we continue to consume them? Um, how do we break that down? Oh, I think first of being realistic, realizing like, do I need to make a change? And then for us, kind of dissecting that. Why is this happening? Why do you feel this way? Why? 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 I ask a lot of why, um, and they're like, "Oh, well, it's because I uh, dessert has always been up here at the on the pedestal, right? You had to eat all of this. I was full, but I couldn't get a brownie until I ate all of my green beans, and I really don't enjoy green beans. I just don't. And so, ultimately, what happens when we go to college, right? So now you have, or you leave the house, like you have this plethora of food, and you may have a few dollars now, and all you can think about is just going for us, just going to Brahms and getting all the ice cream I can, or I have another. Uh, client who hers was Pepsi. She was never allowed Pepsi. And so now she's all she can think about is buying Pepsi. And so I think there's things of that, the clean your plate club, right? Like I have to feel like I always finish those things. I think ultimately digging deep and getting, becoming realistic with this is how I was raised, which is okay. People didn't know any different. Um, and, and is that part of your nutrition story? Is, is that what has formed your opinions about food? And then what are we going to do with that? Now, TikTok is probably forming your opinions about food, right? So there's, you're watching <laughs> other people eat, you're watching other people do all these things. And that's also now forming some opinions about food. And so I think for me, where I come into play is let's, we're going to start a level playing field, right? And so for me, it doesn't matter what culture you come from or or where you're at, like we can all Everyone eats fruits and vegetables. That's always a recommended thing. It may be different for different cultures, but, you know, let's get some more color on the plate, evaluate your protein consumption. And then are we getting some whole grains in there too, right? So, you know, we can do oatmeal and hard boiled egg. We can make some things realistic here as we go through the day, because typically we eat the best in that evening meal and the rest of the day is pretty much, um, it's just pretty much crapshoot for a lot of people. Sure. Absolutely. So. We're, we're at the end. I want to thank you again for being here. Leave our listeners with some actionable solutions to their rural nutrition realities. If you remember nothing else today, please remember this. The choices you make over the course of time are what are having the biggest impact. And so with that, my, my advice for you is to just start your day, your week, your month prepared, right? What am I having for breakfast? What am I having for lunch? And what am I having for dinner? We need to have something in mind and that can include a packed lunch or it can include I'm stopping through the drive through today. But if you're more mindful of those choices as you move forward, I think that's the best gift you can give yourself. 
Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us today. I hope our our listeners gained a, a lot of knowledge here and and uh food's a big topic. Nutrition's a big topic. And you know, hopefully this will help uh bring some more health into into rural America. And if if our listeners wanted to reach out to you, how would they do that? Yeah, you can find me on my website, dirtroaddietitian.com, and you can contact me there or find me on socials at Facebook and Instagram. And again, Dirt Road Dietitian is where I'm at. Well, that's it for today's Your Ag Empire podcast. You can find it across social media at Your Ag Empire. If you feel so inclined, give us a review wherever you're streaming or visit youragempire.com to visit our show notes. Be good or be good at it.